0: Listen, just listen. I'm Ozzy Totten, and you're listening to a Second Story podcast. Second Story is a hybrid performance series, a collaboration among writers, performers, musicians, and others to create good stories and good times. The stories are written by the performers themselves. Sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, always thought provoking. And now, Second Story story Storyteller, Chris Terry.
1: I left Richmond, Virginia, craving a city diverse enough to camouflage me. A six-foot-tall, black dad, white mom, mulatto. With pale skin and kinky red hair. I was exotic in Richmond, where people were black or white, with very few in-betweens. And I always felt a little out of place. Partially thanks to race, but also because of region. I'm not a Southerner. Um, When I was in high school, my family moved to Richmond, the capital of the Confederacy, from Yankified, Boston, Massachusetts. Life in the South was less reserved, and race was talked about openly. That got awkward when people looked from my black people hair to my white people face and asked, what are you? But it also got me thinking about identity. Remember Delia's catalogs? In the nineties, they sold the coolest clothing for preteen girls and my cousin Heather was one of their models. Like me, Heather was biracial. Unlike me, Heather was the consummate girly girl and extremely concerned with fitting into a category. Well, I just wanted to be an individual. You're not just you, you're a mulatto, she'd say. Uh, Waving her perfect curls with each syllable. But mulatto sounds like a type of Pepperidge Farm cookie, I'd reply. I wanted to have an identity but other people seemed to want it more and they'd come up with ideas which led to something that I call the you look like game. This game is a way to make sense of an unusual looking person by comparing them to someone you've already seen. It beats the hell out of what are you but I still don't like it because I've become less unique every time someone comes up to me and says you know who you look like? When I'm a good sport during the you look like game people project my celebrity doppelganger's qualities onto me. That means I've been as gangster as Ice-T, deep as Bob Marley, able to dance like Kid from Kid and Play, and sing like Art Garfunkel. All while preferring to be me, but not exactly sure who I was. When I finally left Richmond, New York City was great, because I was one of many funny-looking between-race people who were Puerto Rican, Turkish, Italian, all three... I blended in and decided to grow my hair out, something I finally felt comfortable doing in this big city where people usually mind their own business. After two haircut-free years, clean red dreadlocks curled under my chin. I was proud of my hair, but my dreadlocks raised more questions, compromising my anonymity. I'd pass by some Jamaicans in my neighborhood, and they'd call out, White Dready! (laughs) Then I'd be devastated, sure that my locks made me look like a white hippie instead of emphasizing my blackness. I want to look like the mix that I am, but whenever I venture into the world at large, it's clear that my race is a blank space waiting to be filled in. Like one Friday, when I was at a bar with a few friends. I was wearing my standard outfit for the time. Wallaby boots, tight jeans, and a red hoodie covered by a low-collared leather coat that my friends either called the John Shaft jacket or the Irish mobster coat, depending on their cultural touchstones. Most of my friends were also in their mid-twenties, creative types who had moved to Brooklyn from places like Virginia and Ohio with the hopes of using their art degrees for something besides working in a video store. <laughs> we were at a sticky corner table in a trendy dive where the clientele was an uneasy mix of people like my friends and the blue-collar locals who took command of all the bar stools. The jukebox sucked that night. It was all classic rock. Kansas came on, again. I made a face and got up to take a leak, realizing I was drunk when I wobbled on my way into the nook by the bathroom doors. When I regained my footing, I found myself standing by two Italian men. They were locals, middle-aged guys with hair gel and out-of-style long leather coats. Assuming that they wanted nothing to do with me, I gave the customary nod and pointed a thumb at the men's room door, then asked, You guys waiting on the bathroom? They both nodded. Yeah. The taller, dull-looking one spoke slowly but there's only one toilet, so we can't all go in at once. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding, I thought. (laughs) Something that I loved about living in New York was that you weren't obligated to make small talk with everyone that you encountered, but I'd been drinking, and the chatty Virginian in me bubbled over. (laughs) People call pissing in the same toilet sword fighting, I said, and smiled. (laughs) At the same time that I spoke, the shorter guy, who was older, had a pinched face and a Brooklyn accent, said, And if we went in at the same time, people would think that we were... He paused and leaned in before sounding the last word out, like he was reading it for the first time. People would think that we were homosexuals. (laughs) Right, I said. There was an awkward silence. I stared at the lights of the Big Buck Hunter game until I saw the short guy squinting at me. You know who you look like? (laughs) Oh. His buddy craned his neck in to see me and guess, and right away I was on display. I'm not me during a round of the You Look Like game. I'm a museum piece. I smiled at him and shook my head, thinking, here we go again. The short guy turned to his friend and nudged his arm with two fingers. What's that singer's name, the one who's half-Jewish and half-black? Lenny, uh, Lenny. (laughs) The the short guy looked at me, but I didn't make his night any easier by answering. His friend shouted, Kravitz, and spilled rum and coke down his wrist. Yeah, said the short guy. You look like Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz is one of my fellow halfies, and I appreciate that. He's he's a black man with a guitar, and I tend to enjoy that. His music is awful, and that's a shame. You ever get that before? You had people tell you you look like Lenny Kravitz? The short guy was excited, pointing at me with the hand that held his drink. The men's room door swung open, and an art student with greasy hair and an undersized sweatshirt blew out in a cloud of shit smell. Yeah, I have heard that before. Even in aloof New York, I've been called Lenny Kravitz a couple of times since growing my hair out. I thought so. My new buddy tossed his head back and laughed. I took a half step back into the shadows, scared he'd throw an arm around me and yelled to some firefighters at the bar. Hey, fellas, get a load of Lenny Kravitz over here. <laughs> then I'd be on display all over again, humiliated in front of a bunch of people I didn't even want to know, and forced to smile as they sang, Are You Gonna Go My Way? If you're new in town, you always have to play nice with the locals, especially the big drunk ones. Instead of calling out to his friends, the short guy stuck out his hand and said, I'm Joe. They call me Joe De Niro. I'm a Robert De Niro impersonator. (laughs) When we got done shaking hands, he lolled his head back, dropping his mouth half open and squinting at me while raising his eyebrows, making the quintessential Robert De Niro facial expression. The, it worked, and the resemblance in the corner of a dark bar after half a dozen drinks was uncanny. <laughs> nice. So what kind of stuff do you do? Oh, you know, parties, stunt double. I imagine this man wearing a taxi driver mohawk and menacing guests at a movie buffs party saying, Are you talking to me? Well, I'm the only one here. Hoping, just hoping that the partygoers picked up on who he was supposed to be. This man's livelihood revolved around never being himself always pushing others to see him as a greater man. Meanwhile, in getting to know myself, the last thing I wanted was to be mistaken for another person, forget Lenny Kravitz. Me and Joe were different people with the same problem, and I kind of envied his confidence. He had his identity figured out and was comfortable enough to own it and exploit his looks. Even if he just wanted to look like a movie star, well, I wish the Jamaican dudes on my block could tell I was black. Here's my card. He fished in his jacket pocket and produced a thin, glossy business card with a black-and-white photo of himself making the same facial expression. (laughs) The tall friend was still in the can. I still had to go. The fake Robert De Niro kept talking. So if you want any work, give me a call. Work? At the time, I was splitting my week between mornings as a shipping clerk in a sunglasses warehouse and afternoons screening reader-submitted content to a website about how to be a mom. I had work, but I was looking for work. (laughs) Yeah, as a Lenny Kravitz impersonator, we could do some parties. I could just see this guy waltzing into a bachelorette party in a suit, grumbling, indistinct, Brooklyn accent, forget-about-it type noises, while I followed behind him, air guitaring, wearing nothing but sunglasses and some bell-bottoms. A smoke machine would be going. Bachelorettes would be baffled. Suddenly, the article someone had submitted to the mom website about the politest way to queef during yoga class became appetizing. In honor of playing nice with the locals, I said something non-committal like, okay, cool. The friend came out the bathroom and headed to the bar. Joe De Niro walked into the john, fanning his hand in front of his face. Being an impersonator and the fact that he could tell that I was black added credibility to his round of the you look like game. I couldn't laugh him off, and the fact that he'd been so on point was disheartening. I'd moved to Brooklyn to grow into myself, and instead had grown into one of the wackest rock musicians of the last 20 years. (laughs) When Joe came out the bathroom a minute later, he held up a fist with the thumb and pinky extended and mouthed, call me. (laughs) I never did. The mom website went belly up, and I got a job editing makeup catalogs. The dreads lasted another year. One night, I looked in the mirror and realized that even if they were some cool dreadlocks, I was still a dork with a ponytail. And this dork was tired of 90-minute shampoo sessions. I cut them off right around around when Barack Obama's presidential campaign was gathering steam. Suddenly, random rastas stopped dapping me up on the bus, and everyone found me to be as intelligent and charismatic as Barack. It was nice to be compared to an erudite politician instead of feeling like I had to do a song and dance, but one thing didn't change. I still wanted to look like myself. There wasn't much I could do. I voted for Barack. It beat air guitaring. Thank you. That
0: was Chris Terry. If his story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. You can join us April 8th and 9th for our ongoing series at Webster's Wine Bar in Logan Square. Second Story Podcast is brought to you by Amanda Dalheimer, Megan Steelstra, Bobby Budrisky, Sherry Pentamone, Mikhail Fixel, Nick Kawahara, Ozzie Totten, and Eric Hazen. Second Story is funded in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, City Arts Grants, the Chicago Community Foundation, a part of the Chicago Community Trust, the Arts Works Fund, and generous support from our fans. For more information about Second Story, including a full list of our upcoming performances, information on becoming involved with Second Story, or to make a donation, Please visit us on our website at secondstory.com. I'm Ozzie Totten, and thanks for listening.